What's up, LifePoint Church? How you doing today? Great to see all you guys today, and thank you so much for being a part of our service. Man, what a great time in worship today. I love that last song especially. Man, what a powerful, amazing God we serve. Amen, everybody. Well, welcome, welcome, welcome. And uh, my name is Mike Burnett. I get to serve here as the lead pastor of our church. I especially want to say welcome to our online and all of our video campuses. We are so excited to be one church in many places, even at our Rossview Road location. Uh, always, every weekend now, one of our services is video there. And I talked about this last week. It is such an, uh, a blessing to be a preacher and to get to preach a lot, but man, four in a row is brutal. And so we're, we're thankful for the opportunity to utilize technology to bring one of our services by video there. And thank you for your flexibility with that. Uh, if you are new with us today and this is your first time joining us, we are so honored that you are at LifePoint Church. Can we give it up one more time, everybody, to all of our guests today? Praise the Lord. It's Time Change Sunday, so all y'all look really refreshed. Anybody panic this morning like you woke up going, oh my goodness, what happened in my life? Yeah. Who was here at 5.30 in the morning? That's what I want to know. Uh, also, Veterans Day is this week. We want to celebrate all of you that serve, have served. We love our military community. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you for serving. Man, what an honor it is to get to pastor in a community with so many that have offered so much to this nation. I want to thank you for being an amazingly generous church. And Pastor Willie talked about our bags by the bumpers. And man, it, it's an honor that we get to continue to be the hands and feet of Jesus, and to be a blessing to those uh, beyond the walls of this church. We've got another big event coming up in November where we're partnering with Austin P Athletics Department to bring clean water to folks around the world. We just love getting to do for others, right? And your giving always makes a difference beyond this church. Obviously, it keeps this church running, the, the day-to-day operational things, but also um, it's a way for us to continue to extend the hands and, and feet and the blessings of Christ to other people. It has always been the plan of God that the people of God provide for the work in the ministry in the house of God. That's just God's plan. No pastors came up with this in a, in a back room somewhere. This was all throughout the scripture. In fact, the first family of the Bible, Adam and Eve, we see their sons, Cain and Abel, bringing offerings to God and, and making provision to the, to the people of God. Abraham was a giver. In fact, the first time we see a tithe, a tenth, uh, was in Abraham's giving to the priest, Melchizedek, and it was the priest or the, the, the leader of the house of ministry. So we have this pattern emerging in the Old Testament and becomes codified throughout the, the rest of the scripture. And, and I wanna challenge you as we round out the rest of this year to let giving, and more specifically, let tithing become a regular discipline for you and your family. Let's just take that step of discipline. Take that step of making it regular and normal for us. And I wanna challenge you with this too. Teach it to your kids don't hide that from your family. Teach your kids, this is what happens every month. These, these are the things that we do with the income of our family. We, we give to the Lord's house first. We give to, to opportunities that God gives us next. And we pay all of our bills and we put some money aside in savings. Teach this stuff to your kids. Talk about it. Explain the why and the how. If you've never gone through Financial Peace University, by the way, that's our gift to you. We'd love to give you the whole curriculum. Uh, you can get that through our small groups team, and uh, you, we, we'll actually give you the whole Ramsey suite. That's our gift to you. But this is stuff that we want you to teach to your family, teach to your kid, explaining biblical financial practices. In ancient times, obedience to God and the disciplines that followed obedience to God was so central and important to the Lord's people. In fact, it was always in front of God's people. I want to show you this verse, and, and maybe you've never seen this before, but in Deuteronomy chapter 6, uh, the, the word of the Lord comes through Moses, and he says this, 
and these words that I command you today. So now he's giving them expectations. He's giving them law and rules. And he just came out of saying, love God with all your mind, heart, soul, and strength. Love others as you love yourself. But on the back end of giving a whole bunch of, of directions, he says this. And this is a general principle for how to, what do we do with God's word? And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your, teach, your children. Talk about them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise. Does this sound like all the time? What are we doing all the time? Talk about God and his word and what, what it means to live for him. This should, here's, what, here's the Mike's International Version. Obeying God should be normal for the Christian. It should be what you talk about. It should be what you tell your kids. It should, it should be on your thoughts in the morning and in the evenings, right? By the way, when, uh, talk about them when you sit in your house, when you walk, by the way. Of course you can do other stuff, you know what I'm saying? But I'm, the, point is, the point is, make obedience to God normal for your family. Look at this. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand. If you want a good tattoo, say, I obey God, right there on your hand. Come on, somebody. And they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. Write them on the doorposts of your house and of your gates. In other words, God's word is telling us like, it should be a part of all the part of your, your world, obedience to God, talk about it, live it out, post it wherever you, you can, and just make obedience to God normal for your family. Can I hear an amen? So when it comes to obedience, disciplines that honor God, that build your relationship with God, I'm talking about prayer, reading your Bible, faithfulness and tithing and serving, being water baptized today, come on somebody, sharing your faith. Let me just encourage you with this step. Talk about it with your family. Teach it to your kids. Tell it to others. Let obedience be a part of your regular talk and living. Maybe you would say, well, that's not the family that I live in. Let's start praying that it becomes that way. Let's start believing that God cares about that too. And let's make it, hey, it may not be normal for them, but it can still be normal for you. Amen, everybody? All right, praise the Lord. Thank you for your generosity, however you give. Thank you for serving. Man, let's just make this normal. All right, we are back in the book of Acts, and I'm preaching a message today called, it's really just the Bible titles it for me on this one. It's Philip's encounter with the Ethiopian eunuch. We're in the middle of Acts 8, and we're seeing the amazing ministry of Philip. He's known, now listen, I'm going to give you a little backstory about this dude, because I just got, I'm really impressed with him. He is known in church history as Philip the Evangelist. Now, there was an, a, a Philip among the 12 disciples of Jesus. This is not that guy. This is another dude, Philip the Evangelist. And uh, I like him a lot for a number of reasons. He was a ready and willing servant. He helped take care of others. God used him to serve the widows, and, and then God used him to serve people by preaching. He was used miraculously to drive out demons and to lay hands on sick people and then get healed. I mean, he was just this normal dude that came from nowhere, and boom, he's got two chapters really dedicated to his story. And then after today's message, he disappears. We don't see him in Acts until Acts 21, where we see that Philip had four daughters. Come on, man, that's amazing. Oh, that's a good life. I know the four-daughter life, and it is special, let me tell you. I got a fifth daughter now. Her name is Stella. She's a miniature golden doodle. She runs the house right now. Acts 21, we see that he lived in Caesarea. He was still preaching, doing ministry, and he had four daughters. None of them were married, which none of mine are either. Praise God, because I hate all boys. Anyway. Every one of his daughters, hey, ladies, listen, every one of his daughters were preachers and prophets. Oh, man, come on, man. The Holy Ghost said, your sons and daughters will prophesy. So I'm a big fan of Philip the evangelist. He raised up some women of faith and women of God and women who preached the word. Come on, somebody. That's good living. All right, well, that's just personal little, little touch for you. But 
But we're looking at the story of Philip as he interacts with the Ethiopian eunuch. Now, you got to understand the context. Philip has just been doing amazing ministry in Samaria, which is kind of the outskirts of Judea, the place where most folks from Jerusalem have to go through there. They don't look forward to traveling through there. You know what I'm saying? And so um, it says in Acts 20, in Acts 8, that he's now headed back up to Jerusalem after doing some outreach and ministry in Samaria. He's probably headed back to check in with church leaders, maybe take a break, get some rest, stop by Jerusalem's Dream Team Central for a latte. Come on, somebody. How many of you thankful for Dream Team Central? Shout out to our teams at every location. Come on, the food, the snacks. I know in, hey, in Phoenix at our campus there, they they straight up serve meals like taco night and, and lunch bars, and they are throwing down. I needed to just go visit just to eat at the East Valley Dream Center. Come on. Well, then, as Philip's heading up to Jerusalem, God reroutes him, gives him a little detour. Can I just ask, have you ever been going somewhere and you get rerouted or you have to go through a detour? And does anyone else look forward to those moments? Does anybody else get frustrated when, like, one of my most frustrating things is trying to get on the highway near the church to go home, and the interstate's backed up, because there's only one artery through this city, right? And, and it always has a wreck when I need to get home, and I'm running late, and my wife's got dinner ready. It's always the case. A couple weekends ago, I had to take Stephanie's van in to get a tire plugged, because she drove over a screw, and maybe I drove over it, but I think it was her. So I got up early on a Saturday morning. That's like our one, we call it sleep in Saturday. That is our day to sleep in. I get up early on a Saturday because I wanted to be the first in line at the tire shop. They opened at seven. I got there at 6.45 and eight people were in front of me. So I waited and I get in and I get checked in. It takes them 20 minutes to get to me. And what do you need? I just need a tire plug, pull the screw out, put the little plug in. And they said, well, it'll be four to six hours before they'll get to you. I could have YouTubed and mastered how to plug a tire in that time. I could open up my own Saturday tire shop just in, in the four to six hours it would have taken me. So I called my friends at Jenkins and Wynn, which is where we bought the van, shout out. Um, and they said they had no wait. So I drove all the way across town, frustrated by the delays, the detour. And now I'm not wanting to miss our Saturday ritual. We have a big brunch, like a breakfast with our family. And it's a couple hours long. Usually we laugh a lot and we eat and and so uh, I get there, and they say, we'll, we'll be done in no time. You're the first one in. We'll be done within an hour. And I'm sitting in the lobby waiting for this thing, and an amazing member of our church walks by me, and I get to sit with him for an hour while I wait. And it's a guy that I just have always admired. I've not gotten to spend a lot of time with him at that length, but we had one of the most pleasant conversations and exchanged some spiritual advice and some dad advice. And he's a doctor. He gave some medical opinions. And I tried to give him some of my medical. Nope. And, um, and by the end, there's like fatherly encouragement. We stand together. We pray for one another. We hug each other. Man, I was so blessed by our time together. That detour turned out to be very amazing. Does God have the right to detour your life? Yeah, you say yes. <laughs> Does God have the right to put a detour in your life? Does God have the right to shift directions and mess up your plans? Can God do something else with you? Does he have your attention well enough to direct you another way? And here's, the, here's a real hard question. Are you willing to go with the detour? See, a lot of times when we get detoured and we get rerouted, we get, we get stuck in frustration mode so much that we don't see what God's doing in us or with us. So are you willing to say, God, you know what, man, I, I, I live and go at your flow, man. You can have my schedule, have my time, do what you want with me. Lord, lead me, 
where you want and how you want. Have you ever considered that a detour may be God's gift to you or it may be God's gift of you to someone else? What if God wanted to use you as a blessing to somebody, to share his word, to pay for somebody's meal, to provide something tangible? How willing are you to be interrupted by God? That's what happens to Philip. He's finished ministry in Samaria. He's heading back to Jerusalem, going to the cafe to get a latte. And the Lord redirects Philip. And we have this amazing story. In fact, Ethiopia has Christian heritage because of the story we're going to read today. So as we walk through this together, I want to ask you, I want to tell you that God will use us, but we must first be open. God will use you, but we got to be open. Watch what happens in, in uh, Acts chapter 8, starting in verse 26. Now, Philip's heading back to Jerusalem, right? And it says, the angel of the Lord says to Philip, rise and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. He was already in Samaria. He was presumably on his way back to Jerusalem. And he says, no, 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 I want you to rise and go south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. Man, it's kind of weird when they describe it for you. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's gonna be terrible there. (laughs) So he rose and he went. I wanna remind you of who Philip was. He was introduced to us in Acts 6 as one of the seven men selected to help in serving the widows with food and other supplies. He was on the Serving Widows Dream Team. Then in Acts 8, we see him sharing the gospel, praying for people to get healed, God using him in signs and miracles. He was specific to the Samaritans, the sort of redheaded stepchildren of the Jews. They were the unwanted outsiders, and Philip just had a passion to serve them and to, to do works of compassion for the marginalized, the unseen, or the, the, the outsiders. He was the guy who was preaching when Simon the sorcerer is in the crowd and gives his life to Jesus and comes full circle to become a, a Christian and baptized and wanting to be used for the kingdom. And now he's being used again, but we have clarity that God is sending Philip. It starts by saying the angel of the Lord. Now this, we, we can kind of get into debates about this, but it's really just a kind of a generic term of God was leading Philip. It was a divine direction from God. This interaction was specific. Look what he says. I want you to get up and go south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. I just believe that God wants to use us. I just am a believer in this. If you're, if you're a Christian, then the Great Commission belongs to you, right? I'm a believer that God wants to use his people. God wants to direct us. He was nobody special. He was just a, a person that God decided I wanna use and God wants to trust us to do what he asks. Notice Philip's response. It didn't start with, well, I have a schedule to keep. I gotta get back to Jerusalem. Man, I'm not gifted with Gazans. I don't know what to say. He didn't say any of those things. It says he rose and he went. Now, here's the thing. God wants to use you, but are you willing? See, Philip wasn't a pastor. He wasn't a trained seminarian, but God wanted to use him. Philip was a Christian, which means he was available to the Lord. That's exactly true about you and me as well. No matter how much you know, or no matter how new you are to Jesus, God will use you. The question is, will you let him use you? Watch what happens as he goes on. In verse 27, it says, and there was, uh, he rose and went, and there was an Ethiopian, comma, a eunuch, comma, a court official of Candace, really parentheses, who was queen of the Ethiopians, and close parentheses, who was in charge, this Ethiopian eunuch court official in charge of all of her treasure. I find it interesting that Luke makes so many descriptive terms about this guy. And the reason for all these descriptions is to show how not like Philip he was. I mean, you just 
you pick your favorite group of outsiders who are not like you, racially, culturally, socially, religiously, not like Philip. He was a eunuch, he was an Ethiopian, he was a court official to a queen of Ethiopia, he was a treasurer. Philip ain't none of those things. He's nothing like Philip. Now watch. He was in charge of all of the treasury of the queen of Ethiopia. He had come, now this is what's interesting, he had come to Jerusalem to worship, and he was returning, seated in his chariot and reading the prophet of Isaiah. Now this text is quite descriptive. Ethiopian foreigner from a different country, different than the Judeans. In fact, this is the other side of Egypt. This is now on the continent of Africa. This is a, a, a dark people group, different skin tone, different culture, different national religion. It also describes him as a eunuch. Now, if you're not familiar with eunuch, Google it, but don't do a Google image search. It describes a male rendered infertile through male castration. Now, many eunuchs were slaves. It's debated whether or not this man was in fact a slave. Maybe he was a slave like Joseph who was elevated to the queen's court, right? But he was a court official for some reason, for somehow. But, but being a eunuch was a problem. Philip grew up in the Jewish tradition, so he would have known this. But for a eunuch, they were stigmatized, they were ridiculed, and according to Deuteronomy, they were considered unclean for worship in the sanctuary temple. So he was a court official, uh, also which means he had a high-ranking job, but he was, he was racially foreign, he was ceremonially unclean. And he's in a job working for a queen of another place and Philip serving the king of kings, right? So there's all these reasons to show that this guy doesn't belong to Philip, but God sends Philip to him. And look, it says he came to Jerusalem to worship God. He came to Jerusalem to worship, which just pause and stop for a moment. I mean, this guy was from another continent. He was from another country. He was from another place, another everything. And yet something in him was seeking the Lord. Aren't you glad to know that God is not bound by the boundaries we give people? Aren't you glad to know that God is still seeking those who are seeking him? Aren't you glad to know that God notices people that have an openness to say, I wanna, I wanna worship God, I wanna know the God of heaven? This tells me that he was a seeker. I love this, you never know who God is drawing to himself and you never know who's actually trying to seek God. We sometimes get so nervous with the, the lifestyle, we get so put off by the, the skin color or the origin of uh, the national origin or, or what we deem about them that's unclean for worship. But we never know the heart of that person who's truly seeking after God. And I believe because the Bible tells us, God's desire is that all people be saved. God is seeking people and God is drawing people. God is after people that you may not be after or people that you and I may not even notice, but just know that God is seeking people and people are seeking him. So that's true at your job, that's true in your family, it's true in this room. Some of you are here and maybe you feel unworthy. Maybe you're like the eunuch and you think, I, I'm seeking God, but I don't know that I'm clean enough to be here. Well, I'm glad you're here. Don't worry what anybody else says about you in this room, but listen to me when I say it, I'm so glad you're here and you stay put and you keep coming. So then watch what happens in verse 29. So this guy's sitting in, he's, he's returning to, he came to Jerusalem to worship and he's sitting in his chariot. You know why? Because he can't go in the temple. Now watch, verse 29. And the spirit of God said to Philip, remember the angel of the Lord directs him. Now the spirit of the Lord is telling him, go over and get in his chariot. <laughs> uh, if you're watching online on your phone in our parking lot, 
We're going to send some people out to your car right now. Could you imagine some dude just jumping in your chariot? He says, go over there and get in his chariot. So Philip, being a good, obedient, usable guy, ran to him, and here's him reading Isaiah the prophet. I love this. God is watching this eunuch. It's like God's, God's watching the stirring of this eunuch and going, who can I use? Who can I use? Philip, come here. And this is great. Don't move. Don't move. Break his tires. If you, come here. Like, detour this guy's life. I'm going to detour you too. Get over here. And he just run over there and talk to this guy. Here's what I love about this. Listen, this guy's seeking God, and God's seeking the church to touch this guy. Amen. This guy's seeking God, and God's seeking the church to get involved with this guy's life. Hey, hey, church, that's you. <laughs> Don't call your pastor to come jump in somebody's chariot. You get in the chariot. Don't call me to come to your office to, to deal with those theological questions. You go deal with those questions. And let the Spirit of God lead you. Hey, you're in a classroom with a kid that's just going berserk and, and doesn't know right from wrong or up from down. That's why God put you there, Philip. God's watching this eunuch, sees him reading the Bible, Isaiah, and he sends a church member to help him out. Oh, man, God will use you, but will you let him? Think about it. In your company, your job, your family, who do you know asking questions about faith, trying to discern God? Who do you know seeking the Lord, church hopping, trying to figure out, will this church let me in? Am I clean enough to come here? Who do you know that's coming after God? And the Lord's going, yeah, you know about him because I want to use you. <laughs> man, those questions, man, the, this guy, he, okay. So he's reading the prophet Isaiah and, and here's what I want to encourage you with, church, because you're a Christian. That means the Great Commission is yours. Um, we are equipped to help others. Everybody say, I'm equipped. Say it for real like you mean it. Say, I'm equipped. Now, does anybody feel like you just said something you've never said before? Maybe you think, I don't know enough. Anybody ever feel that way? Yeah, me too. Anybody ever feel like, I don't know what I would say? Anybody ever feel? Yeah, me too. All the time. Every Sunday. I fool all of you every week. Because I go, I don't know what I'm going to say this weekend. And then you let me do it, and then you come back next week. Because your equipping is not from you, it's from God. Listen, you are equipped to help. As long as you know Jesus saved you, you got something to tell somebody. You may not have the fine-tuned details of, of the early days of creation and how Jesus is coming back, and who cares? All you know right now is God changed my life, he'll change your life. Well, how did he do it? Man, it was crazy. Tell your testimony. Share the story. Well, what do you think about this or that? I don't know about this or that. I just know about this and him, and he changed my life. Can you start there? You know what I'm saying? I got ahead of myself in my sermon, but watch this. So Philip, verse 30, ran to him. By the way, if you're sitting in your Tahoe and some jack comes running at your car, please don't pull a weapon. Maybe God's sending someone to you. If you're in the church parking lot right now, and one of our parking lot teams just running at you, please don't shoot them. We're not insured for that. We really don't. We're just trying to be biblical here. So Philip runs to him, and Philip hears him reading. Now, you got to understand, in ancient culture, they read Scripture out loud. So that's why he hears him reading Isaiah the prophet. And Philip is so brilliant in his approach. He says this, do you understand what you're reading? I love it. He goes, hey, I hear you reading Isaiah. Do you understand what that's about? And the eunuch says, how can I? unless someone guides me. Hello, church. I mean, talk about, this is like picture perfect. This is the most amazing scenario ever, right? How can I understand unless someone tells me? 
This is amazing. It's the most amazing conversation I've read in the book of Acts so far. It's humble, it's honest, it's direct, it's a little like, you know, awkward at first with the running up to the chariot. It's kind. He says, do you know what that's talking about? Hey, I hear you reading Isaiah 56. Do you know what that's about? Philip asked simply, do you understand this? Do you want clarity? Here's, here's what he asked. Can I help you understand what you're reading today? I'm so grateful that Philip started with questions instead of statements. Hey, listen to me. I want to teach you something right now. I want to give you a little training on how to share the gospel. Are you ready? Instead of coming at someone with everything you think you know and everything that you're really sure you, that they need to know, why don't you start with, what would you like to know? Start with, how can I help you? Start with questions. How can I explain? Uh, what do you need? How about this question? Are you hungry? I love that Philip started with questions instead of statements. You know, it's really hard to get mad at questions. You know what's really offensive is when we come at people with what we demand that they believe, demand that they agree with, demand that they know because we've got God figured out. How arrogant of us to think that somebody seeking God is gonna accept your declarative statements. Why don't you start with, what would you like to talk about? What would you like to, to know today? What would you like to see from scripture come alive? Or ask simple questions like, you wanna go to lunch? How are you doing? How about this one? This is great. How can I be praying for you? Man, the honest response of the eunuch. I love it. His response was honest because he, was, he wasn't like put off by some knife statement. Well, you know the Bible says about being a eunuch, don't you? You know, like he says this, how can I understand if somebody, unless somebody teaches me? And Philip's got to be going, ding, 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 that's me. He's got to understand the detour now, right? This is why God sent him this way. He said, I don't understand this. I need somebody to explain it. And listen to me, church. Listen, like, look at the real me right now. This is the absolute condition of our world. I believe the quest of humanism and the, 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 this quest of trying to get this utopian experience in this world is really a deep-seated quest of mankind to find God. I do. They're not going to find it in this other pattern, in this building another Tower of Babel. They're not going to find it in, in trying to just get everyone to say and think and believe the same thing. What we need to do is help people understand the truth of Jesus and help people come there. Our world doesn't understand God. That's why you're here. The world needs to understand Jesus. You have understanding. I'm telling you, this is the world's greatest need right now. How will they know if you and I don't tell them? How will they come to God if we don't invite them to God? How will they believe in God if we don't reveal the true God? How will our world understand him if we don't explain him? How will they follow him if we don't lead them? This is something you and I must understand. Philip was not some Bible school or seminary trained graduate. He was not one of the 12 original disciples. He wasn't a church planner, wasn't a pastor. He was one of seven men selected to handle food distribution. He started YAPAC in the New Testament. He was on that team with the widows and the orphans. He, he's new on the scene, a convert to Christianity. Here's what Philip's greatest accolade was. You ready? He was available. If you want to be used by God, the first step is to be usable. If you want God to work through you, then let God have you. Philip was used in signs and wonders and miracles, not because he went to like signs and wonders school. It's because he goes, God, you can use me however you want. He was a normal person 
like you and me. This dude had four daughters. Come on, there's hope for all of us. He was open and available. Here's the formula I want to give you. This is a good math equation. God led Philip plus Philip obeyed equals God used Philip. (laughs) Insert your name where Philip's name is. God leads Mike. Mike says yes. God uses Mike. That's it. You want to be used by God? Who would say yes? Oh, my Lord, please say yes just for fun now. Uh, Do you want to be used by God? Then let him lead you, and when he leads you, say yes. That's it. Availability. He didn't know eunuch life. He didn't know how to talk to Ethiopians. He had never dealt with this before. He just heard a guy reading about God and goes, can I help you with that? The guy goes, yes. And God goes, I'm in that pudding right there. Like, I'm stirring it up. This is great. This is going to be great. Did I say pudding? I did. Okay. Now, let's just go through the narrative here. The passage of Scripture that the eunuch was reading was from Isaiah. Look, it's the... It's the story of the gospel. He says, uh, like a sheep he was led, he, Jesus, led to the slaughter like a lamb before its shear is silent. So he, Jesus, opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation for his life is taken away from the earth? And the eunuch says to Philip, about whom, I ask you, does this prophet Isaiah, who is he talking about? Is he talking about himself or someone else? Man, I love the honesty of a question of a guy who doesn't know. Sometimes we get, so how dare you not? What do you mean? What kind of dumb question is that? And for those of you that know God and the prophets and da-da-da, yeah, you would shake your head and be like, I can't believe you're asking this question. But I go, I can't believe you're asking me this question. It's like Whiteboard Wednesday. Like, you get to start from scratch with this guy. Oh, you don't know? He says, who's he talking about? Is he talking about himself or somebody else? Then, here it is, Philip opened his mouth. He didn't get out charts. He didn't even grab a Bible. He just talked. He didn't say, you know what? You better come meet with my pastor. You you better come to Jerusalem with me. He just started talking. Watch this. And beginning with this scripture, where the guy was, he told him the good news about, didn't talk about Isaiah. He didn't tell the creation story. He didn't defend his political views. He didn't talk about his race versus their race talked about Jesus, starting where the guy is. Hey, here's here's a great tip for you. When someone says, what does your church believe about this? You go, you know what? Let me tell you what Jesus thinks about you. What does your church believe about blah, blah? Let me tell you what Jesus believes about you. Let Let me talk about what Jesus says about that. His brilliance in this interchange, God was directing it. Philip was obedient. The eunuch didn't start asking about crazy quantum physics, the universe beginning, some social issue. The eunuch asked Philip, if this Philip uh, was from, he didn't ask about his denominational background. The conversation went all about Jesus, and Philip kept it about Jesus. The eunuch was asking about Old Testament prophecy. He didn't know it was about Jesus, so Philip included that in there. Church, talk about Jesus. Talk about Jesus. Stop talking about your Christian view of social stuff and talk about Jesus. Quit talking about your Christian view of politics and nationalism and, and vaccines and, and social issues. Quit talking about your, your church even. Don't even talk about your church. Talk about Jesus. Tell people about Jesus. Lead people to Jesus. I'm convinced if you'll commit to talking about him, God will equip you to talk about him. You don't have to be seminary trained. Just be available. You don't have to know all the Bible front to back. But if you're saved, you know Jesus and you can tell them about him. That's the best news you have to share. God 
Jesus is God. He died to pay the price for my sin. He raised from the dead to defeat sin and death over me. And we can put our faith in him and trust him for eternal life. That's the good news of the gospel of Jesus. Amen. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying today? Don't you love this story? And then, and then Philip is brilliant. He starts leading the eunuch in next steps. In fact, the eunuch asks, asks the question. Somehow they got to this point because Philip probably told him about baptism. By the way, today's Baptism Sunday. If you've never been water baptized as a Christian, I wanna encourage you, today is your day. It's your next step. Let's take it together. Come on, leading people includes next steps. So as they were going along the road, now they're rolling in the, like they start driving. I don't know, Kenna, look, if I get in your car in the parking lot, don't leave with me. This got a little weird, you know, but Philip's just along for the ride, detour. Okay, so as they were going along the road, I think it's like kidnapping at this point, you know what I'm saying? Uh, they came to some water and the eunuch says, okay, here's water. So what prevents me from being baptized? Probably in the interchange, Philip's like, yeah, and John the baptizer, you remember that story? You know, he was baptized in the water. And then Jesus said, you'll be baptized. And he's telling the gospel. And so the eunuch goes, okay, should I get baptized? Philip's like, yes, let's go. And he didn't call his pastor to come do the baptism and say, let's get you scheduled on the first Sunday of the month. Like, he didn't do any of that stuff. He said, yes, let's go down to the river. Let's do it. So he commanded the chariot to stop. I think that's hilarious. Uh, whenever you stop your car next time, just yell at it to stop. Just being biblical. And they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he, Philip, baptized him, the eunuch. Next step. Next step. Next step. Man, I love this. They're riding along. along. Philip's just along for the journey, being kidnapped by this guy. And he's hearing the gospel, and he's being compelled to repent and to go public with his faith in water baptism. They don't have this practice where he comes from. As a eunuch, he would be ostracized from religious practices because he's seen as unclean. And Philip goes, nope, Jesus makes you clean. Jesus changes your life. Jesus transforms you. He doesn't see you for who you are. He sees you for who he's called you to be. Come on, let's get in the water. Man, listen, you never know how somebody will respond to the gospel. Sometimes we get so paralyzed because we've said no for somebody. We've got, well, they'll never listen to me. They'll never come if I, don't you say no for anybody else. You say yes when God leads you and you let them give their yes or no. Could you imagine if Philip was like, I don't speak Ethiopian. I don't know what I'm gonna say to this guy. What, what if he asked me this, that, or the other? Philip just was willing and usable and God brought transformation in this eunuch's heart and Philip got to then lead him in his next step. This guy's ministry is crazy. Philip has healed sick people, cast out demons, fed widows. Now he's baptizing people and he's never planted a church or preached a sermon from a pulpit. This guy's done more ministry than most pastors I know. And he had four daughters, man. <laughs> My wife actually found that jewel of uh, information for me this week and I just thought it was so great. Listen, you never know how somebody will respond to the gospel, but their response is not your problem, it's your opportunity. Their response is God's problem. You preach the word, you share the gospel, let God change the hearts of people and be ready to take people on their next step. Sometimes we get nervous to ask or invite somebody to a next step, don't be nervous. Invite someone to church, invite somebody to your small group, ask someone to come sit with you at church, ask someone to serve with you on serve day. Look, always be ready to help somebody take their next steps. That's language we use here all the time. When that eunuch was ready, Philip was ready. Let me just say, we have this culture of next steps in our church. And I think every one of you needs to discover and ask God, what's the next step for me, God? 
You never get to a place where you've just done it all and you're coasting with the Lord. That is a terrible way to think about your walk with God. If you're an unbeliever, listen to me. If you're an unbeliever, you're not a Christian, you haven't said yes to Jesus, your next step is say yes to Jesus, become a believer. If you're a new believer, your next step, confess your sins, submit your life to Jesus as Lord, become a Christian. If you're now a Christian, let's go public and get baptized. Today, let's go after service, right after this, we will baptize you at all of our locations. And if we don't have baptism set up somewhere, we will find a river and let's go. It's freezing cold in Tennessee, but we'll be real quick. If you're a new Christian, and you've been baptized, listen, your next step is discipleship. Before you serve anybody, you need to be under somebody. We wanna see you know God, walk in new life. We wanna see you join a small group, get in discipleship, find somebody, get into a group, be taught, be trained how to follow Christ. By the way, that's the thing for the rest of your life. If you're new and being discipled, your next steps, join your church, serve other people. Don't shop around till you find one that you like and that's perfect because you're not gonna find one. Get into one and make it better. Join your church, go through a next steps class, get on a team. If you're part of a church, you're being discipled, your next step is to become a contributor. Serve, give generously in tithes and offerings and invite people to know Christ. Come on, somebody. We all have next steps to take. We keep growing in our devotion to Jesus. We keep taking next steps. Finally is this. And I love, I mean, Phillips just had this amazing ministry tour and it doesn't, he doesn't take a break. He just keeps going. Watch this. Verse 39 through 40. And when they came up out of the water, this is nuts. I want this to happen to me like as soon as I say amen in the prayer today. As soon as he comes up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord carried Philip away. Now look, most of us have heard this is like some teleport. That's what I'm after, God. Could you teleport me to a deer blind with a great rifle? You know what I'm saying? Like right now, we'll run video all day doing the work of ministry, you know what I'm saying? Helping people not wreck their cars. The Lord carried Philip away. I actually think it's just the Lord directed him to the next assignment. I don't think he teleported, maybe he did. I wasn't there, so I don't know. But it seems kind of more God's nature to just direct him on to the next thing. And the eunuch never saw him again. By the way, church historians would say that eunuch became a powerhouse witness in Ethiopia, which is why the Ethiopian Coptic church and the Christian church in Ethiopia gives its roots to this story in your Bible. And he went on his way, the eunuch went on his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself at Azotus. This is great, it's like next story is coming on. And as he passed through, he preached the gospel to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. That's where he ends up living, by the way, for the rest of his life. Listen, I just wanna encourage you. I said it last week and I'll keep saying it. We have to be on mission and keep going with the gospel of Jesus. As a Christian, the Great Commission belongs to you. Be available, be bold. Tell this world about Jesus. If ever there was a day in our lifetime where we're watching the news and we're watching social media and we're just looking around, if ever there was a day when our world needed hope, listen to me, if ever there was a day when our world needed hope, it's today and you have that. You have hope. You have the gospel. Tell the world about Jesus. It's the only hope people have. Pray for the sick, lay hands on the diseased, comfort those who are hurting, serve the widow and the orphan and the poor and the marginalized. Preach the gospel. There was more opportunity and more people to reach. He reaches a court official in the queen's court and he keeps going. He's not reached the pinnacle of influence. He kept going. Philip was led by God and he kept preaching. I guess I wanna close by just asking you some probing questions in your walk with God and your devotion to the Lord. First of all, who do you resonate with the most in this story? 
Are you the eunuch? Are you here today seeking the Lord? Are you watching this seeking the Lord? Are you new to faith in Christ and you need a next step? Are you ready to be baptized? Maybe you need to give your life to Jesus. Maybe you need to see that God is coming after you. And this is your next step today. Maybe your next step is small group. Get baptized, go through your class, get on a team. If that's you, I'm gonna lead you in a prayer in just a moment. I'm gonna ask nobody to leave any of our locations. But are you like Philip in the story? Or do you wanna be like Philip in the story? You wanna be used by God. You're, re- you're ready to be inconvenienced by the Lord. Are you willing to let God detour your life so that he can do something through your life? Are you open to letting God use you? You know, right now we're, we're, a lot of us are stressed about these vaccine mandates and what's it gonna do with our career and our job. And I understand that and I'm praying for you a lot. And I'm praying that this will actually settle and just go away for, for us. But what if God uses this as a, as a surge to push you out of your comfort zone to say, I have something else for you and I will provide for you. Man, I just believe, this has been my prayer. As this stuff is happening and we're nervous and anxious, my prayer is that you would begin to seek the Lord's provision in new ways and trust God in new ways. But maybe this is a detour where God's going, I have something else for you. I don't know. Are you open to letting God detour your life so that he can do something through your life. Can God use you? Can he do something in you and something through you? So what if that was how we lived our whole Christian life? Remember I started at the beginning in Deuteronomy, like bind this to your eyes, your hands, your life. Talk about it with your kids. When you rise up, when you go to bed, when you walk in the way, like the life of the Christian is the all the time life of the Christian. Are you willing to let God interrupt you to use you and do something powerful through you? I believe God wants to know that he can use us. And I believe God will always equip us when he uses us. And I believe people will be changed forever because he uses the church. Can I hear a big amen? So will you be open to God, willing to go and ready for God to do great things through you? Man, I'm so fired up by Philip in this story. I'm so thankful for what God did through him. And an entire nation was changed because of this Ethiopian who came back with the gospel. Here's what I wanna do at every location. Would you do me a favor and just stand to your feet. If you're watching online, joining us online, I wanna pray over you. And I want us to just pray this kind of simple postured prayer that we would give ourselves completely to the Lord in the way that Philip did that day. But first I wanna pray to the eunuchs in the room. I wanna pray to those of you that are seeking and asking the Lord, like, do you see me? I'm telling you, God sees you. There's a reason you're hearing this message because he's for you and he loves you deeply. Could I ask everyone, just bow your head, close your eyes for a moment. And just open your hands to the Lord, just wherever you're standing or or joining us online. And I wanna ask for those that are first saying, I'm seeking the Lord, I need my next step with Christ. And if that's you, I wanna lead you in this prayer. Everybody pray this with me. Say, God, I believe in Jesus. Come on, say, I submit my life completely to the Lord. I ask for your forgiveness. I receive your salvation and I will walk with you for the rest of my life. I'm gonna seek you. I'm gonna find you because you said that I would. Now I'm all in to the glory of God in Jesus' name. Now everybody pray this prayer with me. Say, God, use me however you see fit. Change the direction of my life. Change the course of my trajectory. You can have my hands, my mouth, my gifts, my wallet, my calendar. Detour me to the glory of God. Use me, God, to serve others, to bless others, to lead others to Jesus. Say, I'm all yours. I'm all yours, I'm all in, in Jesus' name. 
Hey, if you believe that today and you pray that with me, can we just worship God this afternoon? Come on, this morning, just tell him thank you. Tell him praise the Lord. Tell him I'm all yours today, God. In Jesus' name, amen.